message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. Are you all doing good today? I won't see you till next year, I'm sorry, but uh, it's the way it is, huh? We made it through another year. We're alive, we're healthy. We're here, and uh, there's a lot of stuff to accomplish in the coming year, huh? Is the Lord going to come back in 2024? What do you think? Possible? Possible? Well, we have a lot to do today, and I don't want to get to where I was in the first service. I got right in the middle of my sermon. I look down, and I go, I don't have 30 more minutes. I just got to go, and we ended it. So we got a lot to do, and... Probably a couple decades ago, every year we try to do a, a state of the church address every year to kind of tell you where we're going. And so I've asked the guys to come out, uh, the leadership team, and we're going to take 15 minutes. But we're going to kind of tell you where we're going because you're our family. We want you to hear. And uh, so I'll bring these guys out and we will uh, talk to them a few minutes. Then I have a message that God's given me. So you're going to hear God too. So you get a double whammy, okay, today. So, I wanted to bring the leadership team out because in a church this size, the rumors start spreading sometimes, and I had someone the other day ask me, they said, uh, we heard you're not at VBF anymore, huh? You're not preaching anymore. And I said, oh, yes, I am. They said, well, we heard you're in Vegas and, and you're traveling around. I said, no, 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 I'm still here. So that's the way rumors start, so we clear them all up. Um, you know, we, we're in a succession plan over the years, but I don't plan on going anywhere. Uh, I think I've got quite a few years left, and uh, I'm going to be here. I'm not retiring. I don't even know what that word means. Um, but years ago, we decided that we needed to have a team, a pre preaching team. Uh, probably 20 years ago, we came to the conclusion that nobody wants to see my old face up here every Sunday, so uh, we need to have a team of speakers. And so it's intentional. It's uh, something that we do by intentionally doing it. We have a team, the, the preaching team for this coming year will be myself, and it'll be Doug Loman, Pastor Doug Loman, although he's retiring from Vegas, he's going to stay on the preaching team here. Uh, and it'll be... Uh, Tom Hollenbeck and Josh and Nicole Dickey. And so that's our team. I'm, I'm uh, devoted to being here at least two Sundays a month, sometimes three. And so uh, I just want to kind of bring these guys out for you to meet them. This is the leadership team that I meet with once a week. I've kind of turned all the organizational stuff over to them. Uh, the Thanksgiving uh, deal you did, that was all their idea. Uh, the plus one things we're doing, this is all this team's idea. I'm taking up more the spiritual end, and after the uh, 
Mary's retreat, I think it's coming up on the March 10th or 11th. I don't know if I'm right on those dates or not. January. January, excuse me, not March. I don't know why I'm thinking March. But in January 10th, after those dates, I'm going to take about six or seven Wednesday nights, and I'm going to teach you why we believe what we believe. There's a reason for it. Some people yet today go, well, you have a woman on your teaching team. Well, in these uh, studies on Wednesday night, we're going to go through all the things that we believe in and how they're biblically based. In the Bible, there's nothing wrong with having a woman on the teaching team. I think Nicole Dickey brings a lot to this team. Uh, and there are some that say, well, biblically, you can't do that, and they're full of baloney because the Bible doesn't teach that. And we'll go through all of that. So I brought the guys out for you to meet them today. Uh, Vince Sierra uh, is uh, like our, our business head right now. He's got a business head. He's the one putting together a lot of these programs. Vince has some of the best work ethics of any young man I've ever seen. Thank you. Uh, I have to sometimes tell him to go home. And so Vin, Vinny was uh, raised here. Uh, a neighbor invited him to church years ago and brought him here. And he ended up going to Valley Schools, almost got kicked out of school. He was not the best student sometimes when it came to behavior. Uh, who would have known he would have grown into a leader in our church? And then we have Pastor Tom Hollenbeck. Uh, Tom is the campus pastor at the Northwest Campus, and by the way, we will be opening a Southwest Campus probably now in a couple months. We're getting that close. And then uh, my son, Josh, who uh, is a, a big player on the team and looking at how to guide this church. So I brought him out, and I'll let Vince start by telling you who we're giving to and how this is a giving church. You need to know where your money's going. Yeah, in 2023, you guys did an amazing job supporting us. And I always talk about um, the things that you guys do, because without you guys giving, without you guys partnering, without, without you guys' um, your blood equity, your blood support, your blood equity, you know, your sweat equity, um, we wouldn't be here. And so it's huge that you guys contribute. But financially, we were able to do so much. And one of the cool things I share with First Service um, in Acts 2, after the Holy Spirit falls upon them, they have this response um, to take care of one another. It says that they were continually meeting together, they were in the Word, and then they were just meeting each other's needs. And that's one of the things that I love about Valley Bible that I always have is that we always meet the needs of the community. And we want to do more of that in 2024. Some of the things that we did this year, we gave um, to Bakersfield Pregnancy Center. We had a brown bag ministry, Kicks for Kids. Yeah, you guys can give it up for this stuff. The Maui Fires, Mercy House Living Center. Uh, missions in Africa. We were talking about Africa last service. I mean, we built orphanage in schools and they're baptizing people in Jesus's name. And that's just unheard of in that area. It's so awesome. Plus one ministry, uh, rescue mission, teen challenge, uh, the mission at Kern, serve week, which was huge last year. You guys showed up and gave to that. Um, the food room, which we're going to continue to grow here. Friends giving, encourage help, which a lot of you guys um, don't know. I don't know if you know this, um, but um, the Richies and a couple other people on the team, they serve people in the community by going out and giving them beds and blankets. And one of the things that we're doing, um, you heard the announcement today, is a coat drive because we've been giving these blankets and beds out, but we noticed the kids in our communities need coats and jackets as it gets colder. And so you guys have always rose to the occasion and backed us on all this stuff that we get to do in the community. And we want to continue to do more of that in the community going into 2024. So again, thank you for that. You guys have done that. And uh, it was really cool as we talk about the Southwest, 
We're going to get to do that in that mission field. Now we get to go out there. I see my brother Yevis in the front row, and I mentioned him to somebody this last week and said, I know he's out in the Southwest. He's going to help us because that's what this church does. We go and we grow and we expand and not just to grow numerically, but to take the word as we line up with Christ, we go out and we just reach people because we just, we love them a lot. And so, yeah, yeah. We started a new philosophy almost uh, four years ago. Josh and I had been talking a lot and Josh has told me for years, he said, dad, I don't think the mega church is going to be the church of the future. I think we're going to more neighborhood churches. While I love this big church, and I hope we're always here, I think in the future we want to make uh, neighborhood churches. If you visited our Northwest campus, it's called the VBF Neighborhood Church. And we had a philosophy of 500 and out. I told the guys, when we get to 500, let's don't try to grow anymore over at that campus. And you're running about 500 right now. Yes, sir. And I said, once we get there, let's just put another campus in another part of town, try to fill up to about 500. Because when you have those small numbers, you have more of intimacy. And it's really kind of cool. So, uh, Tom, tell us about Northwest. You're the, you're the campus pastor there. Yeah, um, I mean, it, like, it's... How do you kind of sum that all up? It's just, it's number one, it's, it's volunteer ran, right? So, so it, it's literally people like you that are taking the responsibility and doing the best that they possibly can with it, with God at the center. Um, we have such a great group of people that are over there right now. They're watching. Hello. Love you guys. Glad you guys are there with us. And it's, um, I mean, from the tech department to the worship team, to the parking lot, to the ushers, the greeters, the, the kids programs, the youth programs, um, because that's, that's, that's the church that, that, that Jesus saw, right? He, it was this idea that, that it wasn't this elite group of people that were going to be called the church. It was going to be the everyday sorts of people that are all going after the Lord at, 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 to the same capacity. Um, and I think sometimes what tends to happen is, is we kind of dis- disqualify ourselves and we, we, we love doing this together. Vince was able to share with you what it is that happens with your tithe because it's so, such, a, such a unique thing, this idea of, of us and money. And, you know, we think that maybe we're going to pay for the AC or we're going to pay for a, a projector or something like that. We, we feed back into the community. We, God has placed VBF in Bakersfield, California to make an impact on this city. If God wants to call us to other places, we'll go. We'll go there like Las Vegas or when we went to Ventura and whatever else is in the future. But, but this idea that, that you're teaming up with us to not only, I mean, we're also in Africa as well. And uh, Josh was showing me, was it a graduation we, we, yes, we, we, there was a seminary graduation that VBF was a part of in Africa. You helped to, to go towards that. And so from Africa to, to Coffee Road, you know, it's just there's, there's this opportunity. And then now what was the address or, or what was the, the cross streets for the, the Southwest campus? Gosford and Harris. Goss, so now to, to Gosford and Harris, we're, we're hopefully going to be able to take the message that God is using through Valley Bible to impact those over there at that location, continue here, continue uh, in uh, on Coffee Road, because 
ultimately that's what God wants is, is he wants for all of us to come together. Like Pastor Ron talks about having and helping us to develop our own God stories out in, in the city. But then also we get to, we have this privilege of coming together as the church to, to do this as well together. And so we're really looking forward to the Southwest campus and then as well as continuing what we have going on here. So the future looks, looks good. We're hopeful. And we might say to these people, we need you. We don't even have a worship leader at the Southwest right now. If you have talent and you have a calling, come and see us. We'll need leaders out there, but, but we don't want to just take people from here and move them over there. We want to get new people out there. So we'll need a leadership of 10 or 15 to go from maybe here or the Northwest out there, but then we want to save the seats for new people too. Right, right. So uh, Josh, what do you have to say? Well, uh, I, I just was thinking about the other day, like what makes VBF a unique church? And there's a lot of things I think that makes VBF a unique church, but one of the things that really stands out is you, the family. Um, I was thinking about, uh, yeah, yeah, give yourselves a hand. Um, we have multiple campuses. There's Northwest, there's here, there's, now there's going to be Southwest. Uh, we have people at home. We have, uh, you know, uh, people driving and listening to sermons right now. Uh, but we're all part of the same family. And uh, I think w one of the things that people tell me over and over and over is that when they walk into one of our campuses, they feel... They feel like they're at home. They feel good. They feel comfortable. Maybe not everyone, but the people that stay, that's what they say. And uh, we don't have a formal uh, membership process to be a member of VBF, in case you're wondering about that. Uh, but you know what? I was thinking about it. Uh, when I go to my dad's house for Christmas, um, he doesn't ask me for my membership card either, right? Uh, because we're family. And that's how VBF is. Once you come in, you're just, you're part of the, you're the crew. We're together on this, right? And um, just seeing the faces, it's funny. I went out to uh, the, the children's ministry the other day, and I saw faces that, uh, that you know, have been here for 20, 25 years longer, you know. Uh, we're going on, by the way, uh, Pastor Ron, just to give him a little bit of credit, uh, it's kind of a big deal. He's, he's going on his 50th year, uh, which means... Uh, which means this church is going on its 50th year. That's also something that makes this unique, is that it started in his living room. Uh, the, all this started in his living room. Some of you guys don't even know that. And it started with a family-style Bible study with some young people. Uh, some, a, a couple that was in that Bible study was back here talking to me and their family. Uh, I invited uh, all, all, every, all the staff and all these people to my wedding. Like, it's family. And so you guys are too. And so I just want to say thank you for allowing us to be a part of you and your life. Uh, thank you for serving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for just being here today. Uh, I just want to give you guys a pat on the back for that. And, um, and I can't say enough. I, I uh, uh, sometimes uh, on accident might insult some of these guys, but uh, it, it's because I'm sarcastic. But I love serving with these guys. They're fun. Um, and uh, He insulted me last service. So I insulted that's why he, last Now he's trying service. to apologize publicly. Uh, well, if you this listen, is what he does. If you listen he to insulted this, me this is how good our night. family is. He's well, like, I'll, I'll say sorry on stage. If you want to, there's two versions of me. There's a part that's prayed up and there's a part that wasn't. Uh, and that this morning. <laughs> he's, now he's uh, in prayer. Now I've he's prayed back. since then. Um, if you want to listen to the podcast, by the way, this next one coming up this is a, next one's it's a doozy. So uh, just it's us four. So anyway, um, I, we just love you guys. And we love just being human with you. And we love uh, serving God together and loving God together. So, Yeah, and, and I want to tell you, too, 
A secession plan is smart because I plan on being here a lot of years, but I'm older now. We want to make sure that we have a good uh, a basis to leave this thing to, maybe 10 years down the road or whatever. I'm so fortunate these guys are so submitted. They treat me with respect, and that's just too good to be true. And so I love this team. But yeah, the podcast, it's us four on the podcast, Off the Mountain Podcast. And this next week, we're talking about health and diet. And that's my, my will, man. That's where I roll at. G- give him the acronym we're going with. Oh, yeah, the acronym. Josh looked at me the other day. I, 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 I have a hard time with acronyms sometimes. But I thought, how do I get this across to people? And I'm going to start talking to you on our podcast about how to avoid premature death. So I use death as an acronym. And so Josh looked at me the other day and says, well, Dad, you think we'll cover the D to death next week on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, the acronym uh, is death for health. It's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. So it's that's wonderful. just the way we roll. But I want you to meet these guys and know that we need you guys. Uh, uh, you know, we're not a wealthy church. Uh, we need you to give. Our bank is uh, talking to me last, uh, last year going, you know, your finances aren't where they're supposed to be. And you know what I said? God will provide. God will provide. And uh, look, can I, say, you, can I say one more thing, sure. too? Um, you being part of the family, this is your church. And so let us know what you would like yes. to see us do as a church. Your voice matters. And when we, when we get a message, I mean, this yeah. is another thing that makes our church very unique. You're going to get a response from every single one of us. If you meet, email us, you're going to get a response. And it's going to be thoughtful. We're going to look at it. We're going to, we're going to read it. And, and I, I, it's sad that that's not the norm at other churches. But I've heard that, you know, it's hard to get a hold of senior pastors. He sits down at his computer till 11 o'clock at night answering messages on Facebook. And, and you guys can email us. You guys can go to the, uh, the website and find our emails there. Uh, don't, don't, don't like send them to spam sites or anything like that. We appreciate that. But, uh, but let us know. Let us know, uh, you know, what you're thinking and what you would like to see this church uh, do in 2024, okay? And we've been blessed. And it's because of you guys that I think the last 15 years we got either the best or favorite to worship every year. And so please vote for us again this year because when new people come in the community, they see that. And, and we feel like that you know, we're going to give them what they need here. So we love you guys. We need you guys. We need you to give to us. Josh has had a burden for this campus for some time that we start kind of updating it a little bit. We need a better baptistry. Uh, we need a lot of better things. So again, there's some times that I come out and I'm going, man, financially, we're really hurting. But you know what? You never hear me beg you guys. I just look to God and say, God, move on your people's hearts to give. You're going to have to do it. I'm not, because see, when you come here, I don't want to put a burden on you. I don't want to bring my wife out and let her mascara run while she begs you for money. I want to take the burden off of you. So when I come, I come to minister to you, and then I believe God will move your hearts to give and to help us through another year, 2024. So with that in mind, we got a good, good crew here, and uh, we'll talk to you guys, uh, Thank you guys. later. Thanks again, guys. Uh, if somebody could help me with that podium, that'd be great. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Monopoly. Have you ever played the game? How many of you have, have played the game Monopoly? All of us have. You know, it's a great, healthy way to train your kids how to be a cutthroat and take everybody else into bankruptcy <laughs> so you can come out the winner, right? And now what we do is cutthroat. <laughs> you owe me $5,000. Now I see the new game, it's millions of dollars. They've kind of upped it. So I was kind of thinking about this today, and I just want to kind of 
give you the message God's laid on my heart. Father God, right now, use me, help me to get through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't have a lot of time. I mean, I just flubbed up the first service royally. I got three quarters through, and I looked at my notes, and I got 30 more minutes, but I only had five minutes on the clock. I said, gang, I can't preach a sermon. Let's just pray and leave, you know, and that's all we did, but I'll change some things this service. So, you know what, one thing that that is really uh, crazy about coming to church is that no matter what you're going through, when you come to this church, I'm confident that whoever's up here, God is going to use them to speak to you about what you're going through. Today, you're going to hear God say some things. I don't know why God's designed it this way, but he has. God has chosen this church. You must always keep in mind that almost 50 years ago, God told me in a vision. I've only had one in my entire life. He said, take a Quonset in East Bakersfield and start a church for me. And it was one of the most real things I've ever heard. He said, start a church for me. I'm in this church. See, a lot of pastors go to school to be a clergy uh, member. They go to school to be a pastor because they want to make a living. They've chosen that career. We didn't choose it. Uh, I was going to school to be a lawyer. I want to be an attorney. And God said, you, no, no, I'm changing your plans. Now, do you know that Jesus has a real cool way of messing up your plans? You know that? You can plan all you want, but if you're submitted to his will, he'll be the one who ends up saying where you're going. And God said, this is my church, not saying other churches aren't. There's a lot of good churches in Bakersfield, but God says, this is my church. I told you to plan it. I told you to start it. And we did. And so now when the bills come in and financially we start getting a little nervous, we say, God, it's your church, not ours. See it through. And he'll move on your heart. So today you're going to hear God and let me kind of watch that clock so I don't go a long time. Let's start out looking at Luke 12, 16 through 21. And he told him a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I do. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? Notice what this guy doesn't say. He doesn't say, man, I become rich. I got my 400K, I I have money in the bank, I got my house paid off, so now I can serve the kingdom of God and not have to worry about finances. He didn't say that. He didn't say, now that I'm financially uh, in a place of security here, I can go volunteer at the church a couple days a week. He didn't say that. I can spend more time discipling my grandkids. Now that I'm free, I can, I can let their mother and dad go to work and I can have them two or three days a week and disciple them because I don't have to work. Uh, God's taking care of me. Uh, he doesn't say any of that. He says, man, you know what? It's time to party down. He says, man, I got my big bank accounts. Man, my house is paid off. I got a house at the beach. I have a house in the mountains. And now I can just party hardy down and enjoy life. Now, I want to start out by saying something. Having money is not an evil thing. 
I think sometimes poor people look down their nose at rich people going, you know, they're not godly. You can be rich and be godly. Having money is not evil. It's the love for money that's evil. It's having it in a wrong priority. I mean, you look back in the Bible, our father Abraham was filthy rich. And God made him rich, I believe. I mean, he had a lot of silver and he had a lot of gold, a lot of livestock. We're told that he had 318 male servants on his payroll. That's, he was taking care of 318 families beside his own. And so there's nothing wrong with that because Abraham might have been rich, but he had a heart for God. He had his priorities right. Uh, Isaac was rich. David, Job was filthy rich. Now, the guy in our text, he lived kind of like people play Monopoly. He kind of lived that lifestyle. In other words, he was out buying and selling and trading and, and you know, getting more crops and, and trying to grow his farm. And it got so big that he had to, to build new barns to contain it all. He's one of these guys that probably believed in that bumper sticker we've seen sometimes. The guy who dies with the most toys wins. No, no. Because you know what? This Monopoly game, you know, you, you play it, and then when you get through it, it all goes back in the box. And someday, our whole game will go back in the box. And so I want to start out talking to you about when we play Monopoly, one of the, the first things we do is we choose a character to represent us while we make our way around the board. Now, in the old days, it used to be a thimble, and I think it's a car, and it's an iron, and I think there's a, a ship here, and a dog, and a shoe. But now the game has kind of, uh, you know, progressed. Now, today, you can be a cowboy, you can be an animal, you can be a superhero. You get to choose what character you want to represent you as you go around the board. And today, it's no different in life. We all try to find out who we are. We try to find our identity. And there's nothing wrong with it, but if you get my book, Tribal Influence, I explain it more. And today, if you get it, maybe we'll give you a crock pot or let's see, no, we don't do that game around here. But you can buy my book, Tribal Influence, and in that book, I talk about the fact that we all like to belong to something bigger than ourselves. Uh, for example, you here today, I'd probably say to you, because we have a lot of the same belief systems, I'd say, you're part of my tribe. But we, we try to build an identity. And it starts in, in elementary school. We go to school and, and we're kind of insecure and, and we want to fit in somewhere. So we join the choir or the band and now we're in the band tribe. And we see each other walking down the hall going, hey dude, you know, because we're in the same tribe. We, we play instruments. Or you go to school and if you've been endowed with athletic abilities, you're the, the jock club. And all the jocks hang out together, man, and they look down on everybody else, we're in this club. Uh, some of the others might be into uh, a band or something and they get into that club. What's really scary though for us parents is that if your kids, if they're not secure when they go to school and they want to belong to somebody, 
if they find themselves not fitting in any of those crowds, sometimes there's the, the misfit kind of drug crowd that gets in trouble. And sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll migrate to that area just so they can identify with someone. So we got to really keep this in mind as we raise our kids. Today, I see Christian people, nothing wrong with it, but we go out and get us a Harley Davidson and we get us our bandana, man, and we get our black leather jacket, start riding with some other guys. That's part of our identity. We go, this is the way I want to be seen. Others, you know, we go out and we buy us a four-wheel drive truck because that's big in Bakersfield. And you put the, it's not anywhere else, but it's in Baker, in this community it is. And you go out and you put the big wheels and tires on there and the mud flaps and you get your cowboy hat or your baseball cap and you go out and you go to rodeos all the time and you go, this is who I am. This is the way I want to identify. Uh, others, we might go out and join the country club and, and, and get on the tennis team out there and we start wearing our little fancy, you know, clothes with a little emblem on them and we get our sports car and we go, this is the way I want to be seen. And there's nothing wrong with any of that if you keep the Lord as the priority of your life. Now see, I'm at a place where I believe that everybody has a right to live their life the way they want. And I'm not going to judge them. I'm not their judge. God's their judge. Uh, If I read the Bible correctly, we're given about 75 years to live however we want to live. God created us with a free will, right? He gave every person on the earth a free will and said, hey, you can live the way you want to live, but you must keep in mind that you will face him someday in judgment. So if I were you, I would look in the book to see how he wants you to live, but you have a free will. And I say it in my book, and I've said many times before, I don't care if if you choose to live a transgender life or or a homosexual life, or, or a life as a gangster, or a life as this or that. You have that right, and I give you that right as long as your rights don't start interfering with my rights. When that happens, we've got a problem. You can't let your rights interfere with mine. Live your life the way you want. Now, politically speaking, there are some, some, some issues today where some of other people's rights, they're trying to force down our throat. And we go, no, 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 no. For example, you can have your rights, but don't try going uh, to the extent of uh, pushing your rights in school over our little kids. You know, uh, we, we don't want that. And by the way, I will be meeting with some of you in the months to come. Some of you, uh, see, not all of you have kids that belong in the public school system. Some kids can make it well in the public school system. Some can't. And for those of you that want private education but can't afford it, I want to start meeting with you as your shepherd and talk to you about maybe some ways we can, we can make that available. I don't know the answer yet, but I want, to, I want to get lost with you, okay? Because I care about our kids. And uh, so that's a whole different issue that we'll discuss at a whole different time. So right now, let me go back to this idea that we need to choose our identity, How do we want to be seen as we play this this game of monopoly? Well, I think once you give your life to God, we all are supernaturally given the desire to be seen as a godly person. Uh, We want to leave a legacy. Uh, That's the way I want to be seen. I want my identity to be in Christ more than anything else. Uh, It can be in other areas. That's fine. I can have a second identity or third or whatever, but my main identity must be Uh, that Ron is a man of God, 
my wife is a woman of God. I'm real excited about the next women's ministry because we were looking for a special speaker and I went to my wife and I said, I think God wants you to be one of our special speakers and she accepted. And she's gonna come to women's ministry and tear it up, man, I'm telling you. She's gonna share her heart with you. Um, uh, my wife and I, we're, we're uh, you know, we have a whole uh, kind of, well, let's don't even go there. Let me stay here. I'm going to get lost again, and I'll do what I did in the first service, okay? So uh, how do we become uh, a character that is known as a man or woman of God? Uh, what is a man or woman of God? How do we go about getting that identity? Well, I thought this week, I thought there's a lot of things that goes into the character of a, of a person of God. But I chose three real quickly. Let me just go over these. If you want to be a person of God, the first thing you must do is concentrate on being a humble person. Now, you say, what is humility? Humility is basically seeing yourself constantly in the eyes of God. Seeing yourself as God sees you. And not thinking that you're more important than anyone else. Charlie Garcia, the infamous Christian that went to this church for decades, one of the most godly men I've ever seen in my life, he was humble. I mean, this guy was a black belt in, in, in martial arts. I mean, there's, there's nothing this guy couldn't hardly do. Yet he walked around with his head kind of down. And he constantly was telling me, Pastor, I'm not sure God would be pleased with that right now. And what a cool guy to pattern my life after. Look at James 4.10. It says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and then he'll exalt you. See, this is where it starts with being a humble person. And I'm not saying you have to do this, but I'll use it as an example. Sometimes when it's worship time, uh, some of us men especially, we're kind of macho, we have a hard time humbling ourselves in the presence of God. I remember the first time I lifted my hands in praise. I was at an Andre Crouch concert in LA, and I've always wanted to lift my hands in praise, but I, I was kind of too proud to let people see me, you know, humbling myself in his presence. And so one day I felt, you know, this is the time, I've got to do this. And I mean, my arms felt like they weighed a thousand pounds a piece. I was having a hard time getting them up. And all of a sudden I got them up, I thought this is so liberating. I think you need to practice humbling yourself before God on a consistent basis. Sometimes, usually I pray walking, I pray when I'm driving, but there are many times where God says, I want you to come and just kneel before me. Just kneel before me. Humble yourself in my presence. Sometimes worship provides us with that opportunity. You have a chance to raise your hand. Don't ever be embarrassed of humbling yourself before God, men. Don't think it makes you look weak to humble yourself before God and your family. It's a, it's a good trait. and God says he'll exalt you. Look at Romans 12 in the Message Bible. It says Romans 12 in the Message Bible. Do we have it? I'm sorry. Uh, we had it last service, but I don't think we have it this service. Romans 12, uh, 16 in the Message Bible talking about humbling ourselves. Well, we don't have it, so we'll just move on. Uh, a humble person is a person who doesn't think they're better than other people. I want to tell you something. Here today, none of us are better than the other person sitting next to us. We're all just a bunch of 
of sinners saved by God's grace trying to make our way around the Monopoly board, trying to make it work. You know, I look at some of you, and some of you were just born beautiful, and I go, wow, that's amazing. You are very beautiful. Sometimes I just kind of, I look over the congregation, I thought, oh man, would it be nice to look like that again? <laughs> you know, no wrinkles or anything. But I don't care how beautiful you are, the wrinkles will catch up with you, okay? They're coming. They're, they're around the corner. They're coming. I see some of you guys, man, you're big weightlifters, man. You're, you know, oh, great, that's great. Uh, but someday that big chest you have is going to drop down to your drawers. We call it the chest of drawers. It's going to happen. Say with me, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You can't fight age. And so none of us are better than the other person. Uh, I love this illustration I used uh, years ago, but Booker T. Washington was a renowned black educator. And true story, shortly after he took over the presidency of Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, he was walking down the road in a very affluent neighborhood. And he's walking down and this rich white lady comes out and sees him and says, oh, uh, excuse me, would you like to make a few extra dollars? He says, well, I guess. He says, I need some wood cut in my backyard. And I'll give you a few, I'll give you 10, 20 bucks if you do it. And so he didn't say a word. He took off his jacket, went and rolled up his sleeves, and for about an hour, he works out in her backyard chopping wood. Then he carries all the wood in and lays it by her fireplace, at which time the, the older daughter in the house recognized him and goes, oh my goodness, that's Booker T. Washington. And so after he left, she told her mother, do you know who that was? She thought he was some servant guy or something. She says, no, that was Booker T. Washington. She was humiliated. The next morning, she was down at his office, knocking on the door, saying, I am so sorry. And you know what his response was? He said, it's all right, madam. He said, occasionally, I like to do a little manual labor. And if we can't help a neighbor, who are we anyway? That is a picture of a humble man. And so we need to keep that humility there if you want God's favor on your life. Number two, if we want to be known as a godly person, we must be a person of integrity. Now, the root word integrity means whole or undivided. In other words, you don't act one way in one situation and then a different way in another situation. What you see today is what you're going to see tomorrow. This is the way we are. Uh, I told this story also years ago, but some of you never heard it. One day, a pastor got on the bus to go across town, and so the bus driver took his fare and he gave it to him, but he gave him back like 50 cents too much change. And so the pastor takes it, sits down in his seat, and he goes, oh man, he gave me 50 cents too much change. And he thought, oh man, I'm in a rush today, I'm late for an appointment. If I go all the way back up, people are all in line, it's gonna take me five minutes. And he started wrestling with the thought, should I give it back? Or should I just forget about it? 50 cents isn't going to ruin the, the, the bus business here. And so he wrestled, wrestled. Finally, his conscience got the best of him. He went back when his bus stop came and waited in line and told the bus driver, said, sir, you know what? When I gave you my bus fare, you gave me back too much change. And the bus driver looked at him and said, I know. He said, no, I did it on purpose. I was at your church Sunday and heard you preach, and I wanted to see if you practiced what you preached. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, I bet he's glad 
that he went back. Uh, Ruben Gonzalez, I just read about him this week. He was in uh, the final match of a pro racquetball tournament. It was a pretty, pretty important tournament. And so he's in the last uh, uh, points there, the last part of the game, and he sets up a, a super kill shot that hits the front wall. And all of a sudden, the place exploded. They had some people upstairs watching, and, and he won the tournament. And the judges said, no, that ball was in inbounds, and so you won. And so as they were all congratulating him, he stood there like a deer in the headlights. He walked over to his opponent and says, hey, congratulations. He said, no, I got to congratulate you. You won. He said, no, I didn't win. He said, they said that ball was inbounds. I had the best view of anybody. That was out of bounds. He said, you won the game. You're the champion, not me. And they asked him afterwards, they said, what, what made you do that? He said, well, my thoughts were these. I can always win another racquetball game, but once I lose my integrity, I can't gain it back. And my integrity is very, very important to me. So we've got to be people that, that you know, we're not one way here and one way there. We don't uh, compartmentalize our lives. We're not one person at work, a different person at church. We're the same person everywhere we go. And so we got to work on that. Thirdly, if you want to be a godly person, you must have strong values. You must stand up for what you believe and not be ashamed of it. I've said before, and I say it redundant around here, if you have the values of the Bible, you're not going to agree with the majority of stuff in the world out there. It's not going to fly. If your values are very much like the world's values, then you don't have biblical values because we're counter-cultural people, and it's a total different lifestyle. Look at Ephesians 5, 8 through 16 in the message. It says, you groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. No more stumbling around. Come on, get on with it. The good, the right, the true, these are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ, then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off these frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Now, wake up from your sleep, climb out of your coffins. I'm not going with those verses. That's, that's the end of that text. But there are three simple steps on how we grow in these three areas and become a person of God. How do we become a humble person? How do we become a person uh, that has integrity? How do we come, become a person with strong values? Number one, let's start with humility. Embrace the things that expose your pride. See, by nature, we're all a little proud to some degree. My wife says, I'm more proud than her. She says, you, you gotta work with that a little more. Uh, for example, years ago, we had a church truck and it was one of the ugliest trucks I've ever seen. Someone donated it and praise God for that, but it was ugly. And, and it had a lot of bangs on it and beans and, and uh, it had this uncanny thing about it that sometimes when you're going down the road, it just starts honking all by itself. And that's really embarrassing, you know. You get behind somebody, red light, it's just, king, 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 I'm not doing it, it's my hand, it's not me. 
And so one day we didn't have a car to drive. Ours was uh, at the mechanic and her other one, something was wrong with it. And my wife says, you can always drive the church truck. And I go, no. She says, I knew it. I knew it. You got too much pride, don't you? I said, I'm not driving that truck. I'm just not. And uh, so she's always kind of teased me. Uh, I remember one day when Pastor Jim was just coming on as a pastor, uh, we went down to L.A. to a pastor's thing with several other pastors. We were meeting with him. And so at lunchtime, we went to this restaurant. We had to stand outside in a line uh, because it was lunch, lunch hour rush. And as we stood there, I saw this lady behind me, look, older lady, look very, very poor, very poor. And I said, what are you going to get today? She said, just a cup of coffee. I said, that's all you're getting? She says, yeah. I said, do you have money for lunch? She says, no. I said, well, I'm going to buy your lunch, okay? Just we'll go in and whatever you want, I'm going to get it. I try to be sensitive to wherever I'm at. If you see me in, in Chipotle anywhere, I'm always looking behind me to see if I should buy somebody's lunch or whatever. I try to be present at wherever I'm at. And so lo and behold, we got in there and I said, okay, get what you want. Anything, I said, just anything. You order it, I'm gonna pay for it. So I paid for it, I said, okay, nice to meet you. She said, okay, where are we sitting at? And I go, where are we sitting? <laughs> I'm not planning on sitting with you. I bought your lunch, you know, but we're sitting over here. And finally, I said, okay, come on. Yeah, you can sit by us. I'd love to have you. I lied, but I, I told her that. And so we go over and sit down, and no joke, I won't give you all the details, but as we sat there, this lady started telling me my past. She started saying things that no human being should have known. And I looked down, and I'm telling you, her hands and feet did not go with her body. They looked like kids' hands and feet. And something about this lady, I, to this day, I choose to believe it's probably an angel. I was being tested. And so uh, it's so easy to get off track. Do you understand this? It's so easy to get off track. That's one of the reasons we come to church. It gets us back on track. And so uh, embrace things that expose your pride. The other day I had a piece of something fell on my shirt and I kept telling my wife, and I was trying to get it off, get it off. She said, really embarrassed. She said, yes, people can't see me that way. We all have a little bit too much pride. Secondly, treat everyone the same. When I go to a hotel, I try to go out of my way to say hi to the maids, give them a tip, tell them thank you for your service. Uh, my yard guys, I mean, whoever it is, I don't think I'm better than anybody. Uh, I try to treat kids. I'll carry on a conversation with a 12-year-old kid uh, as much as I will an adult sometimes. I try to treat everybody the same. Try to give them the same respect. And then thirdly, if you want to grow in these areas, don't dodge questions about values. Don't dodge them. See, I'm telling you today, we got to be true to Christian values, no matter how it hurts. The world's kind of putting a message out out there, and if I hear it correctly, they're saying, you Christians, keep your mouth shut, stay in your quarter, do your thing, and we'll let you, let you live. But don't you dare, you know, get outside of that. Uh, uh, this happened to me four or five times lately, and just the other day, I was with some pastors. See, we do a pastor's retreat, and I forgot to share that in, in, with the guys uh, a while ago. But we still train pastors from all the United States. We got a real big agenda this year. We take them up to the church leadership ranch and we spend time with them. We're, we're training pastors from Michigan, from Texas, from everywhere. For some reason, they want to go hear about this 50 guy that's been in the ministry 50 years and they let me get into their life a little bit. 
and we're having tremendous success. But one of us asked, Pastor, you know, it's a big thing in the church world today. What do you believe about homosexuality? And I said, well, honestly, it's not a lifestyle God is pleased with. Uh, and it's, it's in the Word. It's there. It's in the Scripture. Uh, now, to me, you have a right to live whatever life you want. But you've got to realize you're going to have to go before God someday and give an account. Uh, and so I said, uh, he says, then, then we've got to teach that they're not going to heaven, right? I said, I didn't say that. I said, it's a lifestyle, it's not pleasing to God. And I can give you the, the, the places in the Bible where it's very, very evident. God wants us to uh, be married man to woman and have children, offspring. That was his ideal. So we talked about it. And let me tell you, what I'm saying right now, there's a bunch of pastors that are afraid to say it. They're afraid to say it because they want to be popular with everyone. But, but I just say, if people come to me, and, and I, I welcome homosexual people in this church, come in, uh, bring your partner with you, sit there, we'll give you the word. We will treat you with dignity, we'll treat you with respect. But if you ask me if I think that that lifestyle is cool with God, I'll have to tell you, no, I don't think so. He doesn't, that is not his will for your life. Uh, and then someone asked me the other day, the transgender issue, what do you think? I said, I think it's a blasphemous decision against God. I'm telling you now, when you're born, you're born male or female, and you can't change that even if you want it. I don't care what surgeries you have, you were born that way. And then the issue came up, should they be competing in colleges with other women, the transgenders? No way. No, it's not fair. It's not fair to our, our women. Uh, they ought to have a whole bracket of transgenders, and they can, they can compete in that area. So I'm not ashamed, and I want to tell you now, a lot of churches are. I'd say there's a big percentage of pastors today that are not going to say what I'm saying, but you know what? I'm not here to build a big church. I'm here to give you God's truth that comes from the Bible, that comes from the Word of God. I welcome, I want transgenders to come here. I want them. They're welcome to come here. Everybody, if you're a gangster, you're a prostitute, you're welcome to come here. We're going to teach you about God's love. And when you respond to that, he'll change you. He'll change your life. He does it. So we will love you and respect you, and we'll treat you like any other person in this church. So welcome, everybody and all, to VBF. Uh, but we can't change the truth, can we? I mean, when people come in, they're going to hear the Word of God. I've told you before, there's three types of pastors. There's the young pastors that want to please everybody, and they dot every I and cross every T. There's the middle-aged pastors that the, well, let's change that. The young pastors are, are not smart enough to know what to say, okay? They're just learning, so they don't know what to say. It's the middle-aged pastors that try to dot every I, cross every T, and try to please everyone. And it's the older pastors that just don't give a crap. They just tell you what it says in the Bible and deal with it. Deal with it, okay? Uh, see, I don't have to pastor a big church. We were one of the fastest growing churches in America back years ago. We made the magazines and everything. We've already been there and done that. We don't need to do that again. I got to give you the truth because when you get to heaven, you're going to look over me and go, you didn't teach us that. And so uh, we've got to be true to our values. I told you I sat on a plane a while back with a guy that was uh, homosexual. He found out I was a pastor, and he asked me, what do you believe about homosexuality? We had an hour to talk, and I told him what I believed, and I think I balanced it very well. And just to tell you, uh, I can't tell you the whole conversation, but when he get up to, got up to leave, and he's a pretty cool guy, he says, you know what? He says, I am homosexual, 
and I hear what you had to say. And although I don't agree with it in, in two or three places, if I lived in your city, I would go to your church. I'd go to your church. And so that's what we want to hear. So those are three ways that you're going to uh, uh, get integrity into your life. And it can be done in such a cool way. I told the example two years before, and I, I got to be out of here in five minutes, but uh, a young man, and it stuck in my mind, this was decades ago, he said, I went to a restaurant, he was a good-looking guy, and two real good-looking girls were sitting over the way, they saw him, and they told the waitress, says, hey, here, we're buying him a beer, go, go give it to him, we're, we're buying it for him. And so the waitress put the beer there, and he said, no, thank you. And so he said, try it again, and he said, no, thank you. So finally, he went over to the girls, he said, you know what, I really appreciate the gesture that you're trying to buy me a beer, that's really cool. He said, but I just rededicated my life to God about six months ago, and I don't think God wants me drinking. But thank you anyway, it was really nice. And as soon as he left, the two girls looked at one another and said, I need to go back to church too. I need to get right. I need, see, it was cool. We don't do it in a hateful way. Uh, we do it in a loving way, but we stick to our values. So because I'm out of time, let me say that it's so easy to lose focus in this rat race called like the Monopoly game. We're busy buying, selling, trading, and sometimes we forget all about the other things that are more important. See, the Bible says when we get to heaven, God's going to give us rewards for all of our obedience on earth. We're going to get rewarded. Now, we don't do it for the rewards. We do it because of appreciation for what He's already done for us. But nevertheless, He says, I'm going to reward you when you get to heaven. Now, see, we all start out pretty much on the same equal ground. We all get to choose who we're going to marry. We get to choose how many kids we'll have. We get to choose our career, choose our values, choose where we live, choose the friends we want in our life. We choose what church we're going to go to. And all of these decisions will affect your future. All of them will. Today, we're still making decisions. Uh, the offering plate is passed you today. You made a decision to give or not to give. Will that have some kind of ramification in eternity? Yeah, I'm sure it will to some degree. Uh, you made a decision to come to church. Smart decision. Uh, you're going to make your decision on what you're going to eat at lunch today. If you keep eating fast food, some of you need to listen to our podcast Tuesday. I'm going back into health and diet. Uh, some of you are going to cut 10 years off your life, but you get to make that decision today. You get to make a decision about what you're going to do the rest of the afternoon. Uh, you get to make a decision about the marriage retreat. We sell these marriage retreats out every year, usually in Southern California or wherever. And even if you didn't sign up, you might need to want to get a hotel room there and get in on this retreat. We're out of rooms, but you can get one there uh, and be a part. And so every decision we make has some sort of ramification. And so what I'm doing today, I'm trying to encourage you to start being more present in each and every decision you make in 2024. Just because you've done it a certain way uh, in 23 and 22 and 21 doesn't mean you have to continue. In 2024, we might need to make some different decisions. See, as I, I, I'm on this Monopoly board going around paying bills, uh, I, 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 you know, I fall on, on waterworks or whatever, or, or the railroad or electric company, and I pass, go and get $200. As I get so caught up in this rat race, sometimes I lose focus. For example, I caught myself doing this a while back. You get so involved with a real estate agent, you're buying this new property, 
that you forget that she or he's a person and you forget to be a witness to them. You forget to care about them. All you care about is closing the deal. And it's easy to get off center like that. Uh, it's easy to get so mad at the bill collector that you forget to invite him to church. You forget who you are. You're just mad and angry, man. You say, I, I want that bill canceled because I don't owe that. And you forget about the person you're talking to on the phone. See, it's so easy to lose focus. And in 2024, I want us to go back and focus ourselves on God's will more than we did in 2023. Uh, we stopped seeing the importance of church. I can't believe the times I, I, I went to church in, in my earlier years, I was out traveling or whatever, and that pastor had a sermon that was designed for me. We still get off track in a lot of different ways. Uh, I found myself uh, from time to time watching TV and I watch a show and go, ah, it's not the best show, but it's okay. And then I find myself watching another one, another one, and I find myself getting off track. And I need to go back to the Bible and get refocused. So please, please, please take a day off this next week and re-examine your life. Re-examine it. Because right now, we're, we're like this monopoly board. We're in this game of buying and selling and trading. But someday, it's all going to go back into the box. And they're going to have your funeral. And only the things done for Christ is going to last. The only thing. As we go around that board too, uh, you got to realize this verse in Proverbs that I forgot to share with you. I have a verse in Proverbs that says, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. What if we really came back and renewed ourselves to Christ in such a way that we decided we weren't going to see any coincidences in life at all? We'd see every situation we go through as divinely designed or allowed by a sovereign God. It would change the way we live. I'm here today because it was designed by God that I'm supposed to be here. So we might roll the dice. If you played Monopoly with somebody and every time before they, they oh, I'm gonna, Jesus, Jesus, anoint these dice, you'd think they're crazy. But you know what? It's really what it's like once God takes over your life. We are where we are because he's got us there. So 2024 gives us a new a new chapter. Let's start it right. Let's, let's move out and be obedient to those things God's already been talking to us about. Some of us, it's diet. Some of it's exercise. Some of us, it's putting more thought into your relationship with, with your loved ones. There's a lot of things. Well, we have a new start, a brand new chapter starting tomorrow. And so re-examine your life. Will you do me a favor? Take at least an hour or two this week and get along with God and say, God, examine me. Show me anything that's not, not, not healthy in my life. Show me in any way that I'm not pleasing you. It'll be a well, uh, uh, well, you know what I mean, it'll be good. <laughs> so let's pray our way out right now. Father God, Lord, we must not get caught up into the game to such a degree that we forget about laying up treasures in heaven. We don't want to lose our focus on the monopoly board, but we want to come back and say, here's the reason I'm here. My first priority must be bringing glory to God, and the rest will just kind of fall in place as it should. So today, if you're here, probably the best way you could start out is by rededicating your life to God. Some of you, this is nothing new. 
You came to church today knowing that God's really been convicting you. I'm gonna ask you to do something, only one thing. There's gonna be quite a few stands, so you're not gonna be alone. But if today you, you, you're saying in your heart, I need to make a rededication to God, I want you to stand to your feet and humble yourself before God, and I'm gonna pray for you. So stand up, you see, I need to rededicate my life. Stand up boldly, unashamedly. What you're doing right now is humbling yourself before God, and he says he'll exalt you. So there's probably quite a few people standing. Anybody wanna join them? If you're in the front, you don't have to look over your shoulders. Quite a few, so you're not gonna be alone if you stand. Some of you don't need to rededicate your life. Some of you, you're, you're living it right now the way you're supposed to be living it. Where I don't need to, I'm, I'm in the groove. I just need to continue to do what I'm doing, but some people need to rededicate their lives. So let's all pray loud with all these people standing. Let's say, Lord God, today I come to you, ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and give me a new spirit of encouragement. A spirit that will encourage me to go forward. A spirit that will give me the courage to forget what lies behind. Today, I give you my life. And I ask that you'd renew me to the priority of the gospel. So today, wash me, cleanse me, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and give me the courage and wisdom to start all over in 2024. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. See you here, there, in the air. listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.